You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us at PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. You can text us at 865-658-5824. Um, rolling solo this morning, obviously. And, of course, when we go live, get an eyelash in my eye. You know how that goes. So uh, we're getting this thing started off right here early in the morning. I just want to say hi to everybody in the chat. Appreciate y'all dropping through, hanging out with us. We'll have Jacob joining us here shortly. He's going to get in here and chop it up with us a bit. Matter of fact, I think there he is right there. Bang. What's up, Jacob? Good morning, buddy. Hey, how, you doing? how you doing? Oh, doing good, man. Doing good. You know, I was just getting ready to say uh, to everybody in the chat here, you know, we had kind of a whole show planned out. We were going to talk a little playoff implications. We were going to talk uh, Packers-Giants game, um, you know, kind of the betting line, the summary, all that stuff uh, that PFF provides. You know, Michael Lombardi made his pick. It was a good pick, I think. Um, but anytime something's going on in the chat, Jacob, what we try to do with Good Morning Lambo is uh, – we try to let the chat kind of steer the conversation. And uh, there is a, a lot of Jair Alexander chatters. So I know someone in the chat said, I don't think Clayton wants to uh, wants to hit on that too much. That is true. But at the same time, when it's a big speaking to- topic like this and everybody's kind of, kind of giving their opinion on it, you know what? You guys steer the ship on Good Morning Lambo. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about it. Uh, Omer in the chat said, lots of discontent on Twitter about Jair I've seen. Uh, lots not pleased with him. It seems um, we're going to get to some of those comments. I've, I've actually got a couple. As you guys were chatting in here, and I was getting the show ready, I said, "You know what? Let's uh, let's screenshot a couple of these comments. What what he's talking about? The clean ones, of course, right? Um, like right here. I think it was Doug that said it. Doug says uh, Jair is a fine topic for sh- for us here in the chat. I don't think it's a place PTA wants to go right now." Uh, Doug, you're you're kind of reading my mind. I don't like to talk about things where we don't know all of the facts, right? And there's a lot of stuff that's being thrown out out there about Jair that he might not be playing um, for other reasons other than the injury. And, you know, if it hadn't come from Wildey and Tausch, the little nuggets, Jacob, I'd probably say, ah, there's probably no truth to that. But typically when Wildey speaks on something, um, whether you like him or not, it's uh most of the time it it seems to be pretty accurate, you know, and the former players, uh, you know, obviously that have played with the Packers that I've spoken to, uh, Mike Walby and one's like, no, Wildy's a stand-up guy. So uh, have you heard anything on this at all, Jacob? If not, we'll lay the whole thing out for you. Uh, uh, very little. I mean, I kind of understand the gist of it. I, you know, I don't know what to think about it. Um, I'm definitely one that's been on a very – Jair has not been the Jair, in my opinion, that's the highest paid cornerback in the NFL or even anywhere near that. I just, um, to me, it just seems that when the dude got paid, he started getting very, I don't know what the word is, man. I I, I don't want to say he's soft, but I remember Jair of old. I remember watching him his rookie year, his second year, third year, when he was very willing and able. 
to come up, especially against the run, throw his shoulder down, throw his head down. Um, I know that now that there's different ways that the NFL stop guys from going low. You know, I, I know that. So, right. and he's had injuries, and I know that once he made some money, he wants to start protecting himself. But I don't know, dude. I just, to me, it, it doesn't seem like a guy that's ready to. It, he's definitely not. I think that on one side of the spectrum, you have Jair Alexander, and then you, on the other side, you have Rashawn Gary. And the two of them have just operated in completely different ways. Everything from like how that motor never stops, but then also like once you get that bank, once you get paid, you still are the same caliber of player that seems to, you know, give it your all. So I, I think it's fair to be honest. I think it's fair to criticize Jair. And what's weirder is that if you look at the way that the defense has performed when he's gone, if you are the leader, if you are the captain, that you really. <laughs> you really are that person then we shouldn't clearly be better when you're not in the game you know what i mean right I and it, you know i was having a conversation with justin who does the graphics over at uh packernet podcast great guy you got to give him a follow <laughs> jacob over shaking his head justin what a twerk man get out of here um he uh he you know was texting me about it and everything and and you know like we like i pointed out to him when you run the fangio style defense you know corner isn't as important. You know, the whole purpose of the shell defense and, and showing quarters a good chunk of the time is to deter the quarterback. Well, it prevents the quarterback from gathering pre-snap information and it deters the quarterback from throwing downfield. You're not going to look there first, right? Because if you're in a single high look, you start to look at the boundary. You start to look at the shot plays, right? And how you can free up those deep crossers like Dan Orlovsky broke down on the Tay Wicks play. Um, when, when you're playing shell a lot, it's like, those corners are – I don't want to say they're wasted. That's definitely not the, the proper way of saying it. And this year we've ran, you know, more man coverage. We've seen that over and over and over, which I feel like Carrington's done a pretty decent job considering he's been on a, been put on an island with some of the some of the better receivers uh, that we've played. But uh, that's what I told Justin was just kind of like, man, I, you know, it's, it's not the place I would spend all that money. Not saying you would let Jair walk, but you maybe approach it a little bit different. When we pull the contract up. Um, when I say walk, I mean in his contract year. I'm not saying they should let him walk. I'm just saying maybe you approach it a little bit different rather than throwing him the checkbook in the long-term deal. Maybe you approach it from like, hey, let's just hit him with a franchise tag or, or what have you, right? Um, but when you look at this contract, what Jacob's referring to, here's the thing people got to understand. And the reason I try to guard my words pretty closely, I I'll tell you what I feel, what I think. I think Jair's a great player. I do. Um, I think it's not a premier position for us in the style of defense we run. That's I think that's pretty honest assessment in my opinion um you know look at what Miami did without you know them turning their defense around with Fangio in the house and Jalen Ramsey was on injured reserve most of the year right now he's back and it, I, I think the defense will get better just like the Packers defense would get better if Jair was on the field but when you don't see the results when you're in the when let me put it this way when you're not on the field and the defense seems to be getting better it's not a good look and that's not a knock against Jair however if you're going to go out and be cocky, it's like, man, that's uh, probably not the best way to handle Like you said with Rashawn Gary, man. Rashawn Gary, what what was his message all year? I just wanted to be out there with you guys. I just want to get on the field with you guys. I'm working. And, and <laughs> he was kind of, you know, bragging on himself for, for predicting, you know, they're going on a winning streak. But uh, anyway, the contract. The reason that you can't see them getting rid of them anytime soon, and not that I would want to. I'm just simply laying out the facts here, okay? 
2023's cap hit is 10.7 million. The reason it's so low is because they tacked on avoidable year and pushed money down the road throughout the duration of the contract. So you've got a dead cap of 37.6 million this year. Okay. So to put that in perspective, the cap hit is 10.7 with a dead cap of 37. There's no chance this year, obviously, in my opinion. 2024, his cap hit is 24.3 million. His dead cap is 27. So you would have to eat 3 million in cap just to get rid of him. Okay. Now there's some aspects of that contract that will travel. I got you. This is just kind of a very broad sweeping perspective on the contract. 2025, his dead cap's 19 million. His cap hit is 25 million. So you would free up 4.8, almost 5 million there. And then in 2026, of course, his dead cap's only 10.7 with his cap hit being 27.8, meaning you would free up 17.8 if he got rid of. So that, I just want to lay out that out there kind of as a, as a reference point of where his contract is. OK, um, now, as far as what happened, right, we've got the video. This is what everybody's up in arms about. Um, I, I chose the one that you could hear better with him, what he was saying. But there's one clip of him walking up a few minutes earlier, a few seconds earlier. And they said, what are you wearing? He says, it's just swag. It's just swag is what he said. I, I don't care what he's wearing, to be honest with you. To me, it's you got to listen to the words. and You got to take the man for his word. That's the way I want to approach this rather than assume, you know, but I can't sit here and BS you guys and say, man, I love how he's handling this. But here's Jaya in the locker room. Anything other than the shoulder keeping you out? Nope. So it's strictly injury related. Strictly shoulder, yeah. You want to play? Oh, yeah. Now, highest paid cornerback in NFL history. You make $21 million a year. Do you feel pressure to be on the field? Uh, I mean, there's always pressure. There's always pressure. You know, but, uh, you know, I think. Uh, you know, I just, I'm the type of person I always want to put my best foot forward, you know. So, I feel like if I can't put my best foot forward, then it's just tough to be, even be out there. You know? Do you feel the coaching staff and everyone in this building has been understanding of, of why you've missed so much time this year? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> He's not selling me. Not that he has to either. He don't even know who I am, right? I'm not sitting there and trying to play like the the ego podcaster. But you know, the other comment he made earlier in the year. This is this is where you got to put everything in full context. Earlier in the year, he made some comments. I don't even remember what all he said, but I do remember after he said on the next time he met with the media, he said, "I you know that's all I got, whatever." And he said, as as they were walking away, as the reporters were walking away, this was what was reported by one of the beat writers that Jair said. I'm done getting scolded for things I'm saying to you guys. So it's like that was his way of saying the PR team told him, Jire, stop talking, man. Stop doing this. And that was his way of letting everybody know they told me I wasn't allowed to talk to y'all. I, I don't like that look, Jacob. Um, it's not not a good look at all, man. I, I don't know, dude. It just, yeah, it just doesn't rub me the right way. He, I, just his whole mannerisms, like it used to be fun when, you know, it's Jair. He's out there. He's making plays. He's funny. Everybody, you know, he's having fun. <laughs> now it just kind of feels like it's getting old. It's just, yeah, he's getting, he's, he's, I don't want to say it, but he's, he's, he's sliding towards like the Antonio Brown side of the spectrum where you're like, what are you talking about? Why, why are you wearing that now? Like before, 
Uh, Nate Bergetti has a great line where he talks about, <laughs> he's like, I had this guy, I hired him to DJ my wedding. He had one leg, which it doesn't matter. Until he started really messing up and everybody's like, why does he have one leg? <laughs> right, right. You, know? you, you really like, don't. It's true, man. Hey, relationships, bro. Oh, it's it's awesome the first couple of weeks. Then you yeah, start smelling oh, yeah. that morning breath. You know what I mean? You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't know about this. Right? Am I right? Am I, I'm just saying. Listen, I'm 41 yeah, years also, old. I've been around the block a time or two. I know what I'm talking about here, man. Yeah, These flaws start to jump out after the honeymoon <laughs> phase is over. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just again, no. It's just a weird mentality to to think. I mean, any one of you guys, imagine if like you you didn't go to work for the last like three weeks, whatever. You showed up and you're like, I don't know what to tell you guys, but this place has been. It's been running smooth. We have the most efficient product line we've had in weeks. And then you're like, uh-huh, now I want to raise or I'm not coming back. You know what I mean? Like, or, it's just weird. It's just a weird line of negotiation. Like, a, it's, I don't like the situation, I'll be honest. And yeah. it's, you would have told me at the beginning of the year that going into whatever week we're going into now that, you know, our, our cornerbacks are pretty solid and I'm not really worried about them. Oh, by the way, we don't have Jair Alexander and we traded away Rizal Douglas. I would have been like, you're, you're BSing. Come on. <laughs> the Russell Douglas thing, I would have never imagined. Just from the <laughs> actual standpoint, was like, man, we, I remember thinking and saying over and over and over, man, what a deal we've got on Russell, man. We got him under contract for a couple more years. This is awesome. Like, he is, he's legit a starting caliber corner, right? <laughs> for pennies on the dollar, you know, less than 10 million cap hit. That's what Mike Wallace pointed out. Like, where are you going to find? Where are you going to find a corner that plays at that level for that kind of money? But, you know, I digress. We uh, we've, we beat that horse till it's blue. Um, Doug in the chat says, I don't think a lot of cornerbacks are great against the run. Great cover corners like Jair should be hurting uh, running backs towards linebackers and safeties unless they're the last line, in my opinion. I think there's a lot of truth to that, Doug. But at the same time, um, Jalen Ramsey will tackle. The, the corners that you pay that kind of money to, and you say the great cover corners, he hasn't been a great cover corner the last two years. I know a lot of people don't want to accept that. Um, don't don't take my word for it. Go watch the tape and watch him biting on double moves. Go watch the Washington tape last year where Terry McLaurin ate his lunch with the game on the line. You know, um, Go earlier in the year when he blew some coverages, right, when he was healthy. Now, that last game he played in, man, he looked like peak Jair. He was elite. But I think it was the Rams game, maybe. I can't remember which game it was. But, yeah, it's just not a, not a good look for him, man, for sure. Doug in the chat says, one of the coaches said Valentine and Johnson Jr. were at the facility studying film at 8 p.m. earlier this week. That's what I'm talking about. That's what you're looking for. Doug also said, and Watson's comments were great, too. He wasn't satis satisfied with team medical. He spent his own money. I think he said tens of thousands of dollars to try to figure out his early season hammy issues. I don't think that's typical. Um, another good example of, you know, one player that's there's rumors swirling around him not wanting to play uh, and it has nothing to do with the injury. And you got another guy who's spend, spending tens of thousands of dollars to do whatever he can to get on the field as quick as possible. You know, um, it's just you're starting to see who the real leaders are, is all I'm saying in the locker room. Carly Ray said, did anyone see Jair's locker room interview? Uh, what was he holding some sort of championship belt thing and why? Um, and then. <laughs> Uh, that's obviously the video we just showed. Derek K says because he predicted to run the table, so he thinks he's the champ. Now I got this screen grab here. It might be a little bit hard to see. I'll read to you what it says. All right, 
This is what he's referring to. Ryan Wood tweeted out, Jair Alexander knows how to swag and call his shot. Quote, I'm not going to say I'm a prophet, but I called it. I said we were going to win out. Here's the problem I have with that. You want to mess with the football gods? Start talking about predictions. Start talking about, you know, we're going to win out. We're, we're, we're going to win out. We're, bro, you haven't been on the field in several weeks. Like, what, what are we even doing here? What? And forget Jair for a minute. Think of the pressure that comment puts on his teammates. Like, that's just how – maybe I'm maybe I'm being a baby here, but that's kind of how I look at it. Like, me, I would want to build my teammates up, not put extra pressure on them. I would rather sneak up on opponents, right? you got a big trap game coming up, Jake. I mean, we're six-point favorites in this game, and we know the NFL stands for not for long when you lose those kind of games. Like, th- there's a legit shot that this could be a trap game. The last thing you want in your locker room – What? Let's look, look, look at it this way. Let me, let me say it this way. Jair's message is, I told y'all we we're going to run the table. Matt LaFleur's was, the reality is we're a 6-16. Six and 16. Do you think they're on the same page? Sure don't sound like it to me. And when you speak to the media, whether you're a coach, an executive, or a player, you're speaking to your teammates. You're speaking to the team. You're speaking to your staff. So, what Jair, I don't know. I just don't like the added pressure. That's just it, me. Uh, you know what it reminds me of, too? It's like, it's I, I like players when they're cocky and – smart moments you know what i mean like like a chess game like i i i remember playing and there were certain people that when they they were good at talking smack at the right moments otherwise it just got like it wasn't that it was even annoying you're just like i'm, I'm not really afraid of you anymore you're just a showboater kind of thing for instance do you guys remember uh against seattle when mr wasn't it matt hasselbeck the old we want the ball and we're gonna score mm-hmm. what happened al harris looked at him and was like okay all right, dude. Pick six, brought it to the house, gave the ball to Kid New Antonio. Yeah. It was wonderful. <clears throat> um, so Brenton Indiana said to be fair, the run the table comment was before the Steelers game. Absolutely it was. But him coming out and saying it again, you let me ask you guys a question. The Giants locker room right now. Any other team we play, the Bears locker room, week 18, that are, that are, that most likely could come down to deciding whether we make the playoffs. You think they're looking at that comment going they're overlooking us. What happened to the Lions on Thanksgiving? They got too big for their damn britches. The Packers went out there and smacked them around, right? The Chiefs kind of a little bit of the same thing, right? Um, so, again, I'm not saying people shouldn't be able to say what's on their mind. Um, but as far as that, you're, you're correct. He did predict it before the Steelers game, but he's kind of going out there. And, you know, I was glad it finally stopped getting talked about. And now he just brought it right back to the forefront. So, again, you got to ask yourself, forget Clayton for a minute. Forget the Redneck podcast, all right? What do you think the coaches feel like with Jair making that comment? Because I know there's some people that are going to be saying, well, he's just showing he's confident in his teammates. I I would love to have someone ask um, Matt LaFleur, hey, what do you think of Jair's comments? Because I guarantee you he's probably just going to go, I, you know, I'm just focused on the Giants, and he'd move on, right? He, he may – towed a little bit of a line and say, well, yeah, you want confidence in your teammates. I don't know, man. It's just uh, I don't think there's ne- necessarily anything crazy wrong with it. It's just you guys bring it up. You want to talk about it. This is my opinion. If you're asking me, would you rather him say the comments or not say the comments? It's really that cut and dry to me. I'd rather him not say it. So if you're one that go, no, I'm glad he said it and I hope he says it again. Cool, man. We can agree to disagree. It's totally cool, you know. 
Um, let's see, uh, Doug in the chat said Ian Rappaport called him out on it, something like, oh, really? Um, so uh, that's interesting. I didn't see that. I like Ian, too. I think Ian's a good insider. Nick McSwain said, why wouldn't he want to show them he believes in them? LOL. Um, again, man, I don't, I don't think there's a coaching staff in the National Football League that wants a player that's on IR that's the highest paid at his position in the entire National Football League per average, uh, you know, salary per year, going out there putting extra pressure on his team and putting a bullseye on your back saying we're going to run the table. I just don't when you're when your back's against the wall, like when he said it in Pittsburgh. Right. I get it. It makes sense. You're trying to get a spark. I believe in my guys. When you're on a little bit of a winning streak, let's do this right here. Put your head down and work. Put your head down and work and prepare. Right. Um, so, again, I don't think he's sitting out, Jacob, faking an injury. I don't think that's the case. I just think I think the truth always lies somewhere in the middle. Um, I think that there is a little bit of discontent between him and the organization based off of what Wildy and the guys said that he shouted that day in the locker room. And with the PR guy right across the room, they said, so it was kind of like a shot at him. I just don't understand it, man. It just seems like you don't – I don't know. It's just – it's unnecessary, I guess you could say. Carly Ray in the chat says, cocky like Bakhtiari giving the bird in the Bears game. Another good point, laying on the sideline posing, ain't been in a game since. Like, what happened? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like – I love it, dude. It's uh, yeah. Let's see here what uh, NFL NFL Pack Boy says. We a young team. Somebody needs to talk with that confidence. That's another way of looking at it for sure. Uh, Pack Boy, no doubt. Um, it's definitely uh, obviously it's a, a fascinating uh, a fascinating conversation. You guys wanted to wanted to talk about it. It's definitely being talked about. As a matter of fact, it's being talked about a lot um, on Twitter. I just this is from Ryan Woods' tweet. And I just snapshotted this real quick. Um, if I can get it to stay up here real quick, let me hide this comment. Appreciate you dropping through, Pac. Well, good to see you, man. Um, so off of that tweet about him saying, uh, I told you I'm a prophet or whatever he said, um, this was the comments. The first, the first comment said, bro, you haven't played in the last three games. And to be quite honest with you, the rookie cornerbacks are playing way better than you have in the last year or so. Brian Anderson said he should just worry about getting back on the field. ASD says, how about you just get healthy and see if you can contribute? Uh, Raz says, we've literally won all the games without you. Laughing emoji. DGG says, uh, LMAO, without him out there, uh, with and without him out there, is what he's saying. Um, talking about his comments, yeah, we're running the table without you out there. Caden says, how can you not love this man? There's a, there's a positive comment, right? And then Skeeter Boy or Skeeter Bot says, uh, one of the most unlikable people in the league. Now, we don't even know if he's a Packer fan, right? It could be a Bear fan in their trouble. So, just wanted to kind of put our finger on the pulse. You see, there's like five or six negative comments and one positive comment. I think that's a pretty good. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So, US Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view, 
on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. I don't know, filler on how the, how the fan base kind of sees it. But uh, I don't know, Jacob. Maybe we're looking too much into it. Um, I will again, say this. Go ahead. A little like if you look at the comments there, look at the interaction that they've gotten to the right. The one comment that's positive has like three thousand. All mm-hmm. the other ones are in like single digits or low hundreds. So yeah, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that's, people- that's yeah, that's who's seen it for sure. Yeah, right. and Caden, Caden's awesome. We've showed some of his videos. Uh, hear from him being live in Lambo. Um him him and Big B run together. Awesome follow on Twitter. Um very positive Packer fan for sure. So uh you know it is what it is. Like I said, man, people you guys know I'm all about free speech. You don't have to you don't have to ask me twice. It's just you're not gonna convince me the coaching staff wants to hear your your player, one of your leaders in your locker room kind of putting a target on everybody's back uh for sure. Um let's see here Let's see what uh, Samantha says. Samantha says, I love what Aaron Nagler had to say about Jai. He's very knowledgeable about what's going on with the team. It was on 97.3, the game Milwaukee YouTube channel from yesterday. Uh, what did he say, Samantha? If you could, uh, you're paying you to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Is that Nagler's burner in here? No. I'm not a, I'm not a, whatever. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, Brent in Indiana said, I trust someone in the locker room every day. Nagler isn't. He knows about as much as us. Okay, we, we're not going to turn this into a Nagler roast fest. All right. I should have read that before I post it. Um, we can all respectfully uh, agree and disagree. All right. We're not here to put anybody down. This show's about building people up. But, again, you guys bring it up, so we're going to hit on it. That's why we did it. Let's move on to the next topic here. Um, first things first, let's just do a quick rundown, Jacob, the standings. Bang. Obviously, the Packers are sitting in the seven seed. We won't go through all of them. Most important thing you need to know is the Vikings are just ahead of them at six and six with that tiebreaker. Uh, you got the Packers at six and six, and you got the Rams at six and six. Above them is the Cowboys at nine and three. Going to be hard, I think, to pass the Cowboys up with the way they're playing. Uh, but with that being said, the Falcons are in sole possession of the South. That's what we wanted to happen there over the Saints. So that's played into our hands. Now, the games you want to watch for in week 14. Panthers at the Saints. We still want the Saints to get beat down. I know we're ahead of them in the in the standings, but we want those teams. We don't want anyone sneaking up on us like we've sneaked up on other teams, right? So the Panthers will go to New Orleans. They play that game at 1 o'clock. We want the uh, Panthers to win that game. The Rams will travel to Baltimore, 1 o'clock game to play the Ravens. We obviously want the Ravens to knock them down the standings a bit. Uh, the Falcons and the Buccaneers will meet up in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We're rooting for the Falcons in that game to beat the Bucs simply because, um, you know, you could probably say – you could probably say uh, the uh, you could root for the Bucks there as well. That's one that probably doesn't matter as much with the with the record so close. But with us having the tiebreaker over the Falcons, you don't want the Bucks kind of sneaking up on us too. It gets a little bit wonky when you got three four games left, right? Um, 
49ers over the Seahawks for the 4 o'clock slot. We definitely want that to happen to beat the Seahawks on down. We want the Raiders to beat the Vikings in the 4 o'clock slot uh, to help us kind of secure a little bit higher seed if at all possible. Uh, There's a good chance that if things play out the way we hope they play out, the Packers could be playing the Lions in the playoffs. That that really that there's a good chance that happens. So um, I think we feel a little more comfortable playing in Detroit than some of these other teams for sure. Uh, and then of course you got the Packers Giants on Monday Night Football. So with that being said, according to PFF Green Bay Packers on Twitter, they said the total wins needed for the Packers to make the playoffs per PFF projections is ten wins, give them a ninety nine percent chance. <laughs> playoffs you know the old saying Mike McCarthy said win 10 and you're in still holds true today even with the extra game on the schedule you win nine games you're going to have an 85 percent chance to get in this year if you only win eight games you're going to have a 21 percent chance so the number is 10 obviously but uh nine will most likely get you in as well I just like to see them stay on this and do what Jair said and run the table right that's what I'd like to see happen. So uh, anything you want to comment on there, Jacob, anything stick out to you, man, before we move on to the PFS summer? No, I just I would be over the moon if we got, I mean, everybody, if you've watched for the last year, basically I've been screaming, we're going to get the 10, we're going to get the 10. And then, like I said, at the beginning of this year, I looked like an idiot. And then um, if we really do get the 10 and if we sneak into a playoff, I, I, ugh, I I'll lose my mind. I know, dude. I'm I'm so jacked for for a year that we were expecting to kind of take a step back, for them to take a step forward uh, with the youngest team in the league would just be. You got to mention Matt Lafleur's coach of the year. Um, if he if he again, I understand why he didn't get it the past. I disagreed with it, but I understand why he didn't get it because you had a four time MVP. This will be understand this too, guys. Washington, he was the quarterbacks coach. RG three won Rookie of the Year, right? Yeah. He goes to Atlanta. He's the quarterback's coach. Matt Ryan wins MVP. He goes to the L.A. Rams. They go to the Super Bowl, right? And Jared Goff gets that huge contract because of the way he's playing, right? He goes to Tennessee. That's the only place where magic didn't really happen. He was only there for a year. He comes to Green Bay. His quarterback wins back-to-back MVPs. Now he moves on from him to Jordan Love, and Jordan Love – is playing like a, a borderline top 10 quarterback. What was you going to say, Bob? I mean, I'd argue, too, that even in Tennessee, he – like, they were dog doo-doo. And I thought – wasn't he part of the Ryan Tannehill uh, revamp of his career? It was either him or Mariota. I'm trying to remember. It was kind of – it gets a Maybe little – he was there with Mariota. Maybe that's yeah. it. But. There were still – there's still several coaches that came out of that, that Tennessee coaching staff. You know, later on, I think that's where Arthur Smith came from in Atlanta. Yeah. Although some – you know, a lot of a lot of Fal- Falcon fans want him gone. Too. Yeah, <laughs> funny how that works. But that's an interesting story. Like his family, it's a billionaire family. I think they founded UPS, and uh, and he's coaching. Like he don't have to coach. He's doing it because he loves it. You know, he's uh, he's obviously way more money in the family business than coaching in the NFL. There's no doubt about that. Uh, relax. Thank you so much for the super chat, buddy. He says cup of Joe Barry for the boys. Hey, we appreciate that, man. Right here. Cheers to you. And uh, get that diesel in you. You know what I'm saying? Let's see uh, what else we've got here in the chat real quick. Um, Let's see here. M. Smitty says, I think we need to remember we aren't sure of how Ja may or may not be contributing behind the scenes. I think think that's a very fair statement, Smitty. Um, You know, that's one thing that that Tim talked about being at practice every day during training camp was Jair was staying after practice with the young corners. 
Kenny Clark was staying after practice with the with the young defensive line. So um, I think you're you're spot on there too, man. We gotta we gotta be fair all the way around for sure. Um, let's see what else we got here in the. Uh, <clears throat> Trying to make sure we're not missing anything in the chat. I'm trying to stay up to date with you guys. All right, let's go back to the Giants here real quick. PFF summary. Let me get that off the screen. Um, so with the PFF summary and the way that lays out, okay, uh, essentially what you've got, the Packers, according to PFF, are the 10th ranked team in the league. So they've got them in their power rankings overall as 10th. They've got the Giants 28th. Defensively, the Packers are 12th uh, ranked. The Giants are 21st. Offensively, they're 12th. The Giants are 28th. Uh, strength of schedule played. You're starting to see the Packers have been in the in the high 20s all year long. Now they're down to 18th. So you're seeing they, they've gotten over that tough stretch of their, their schedule now. The Giants have played a little bit tougher schedule, according to PFF, ranked 13th there. Okay, when you look at the average amount of offensive snaps, the Packers have 65.8. The Giants have 66.3, pretty close. As far as how often we run, we run the ball 37.6% of the time. The Giants run at 36.6% of the time. So the Giants are running the ball slightly less than the Packers. All right, EPA per run, we're negative 0.13. They are negative 0.21. I know everybody's scared to death of this Giants running game. It's actually not been very good this year. Um, EPA per pass, we are positive. 0.10 and the Giants are negative 0.19. So if you combine those two stats there alone, Jacob, when you talk about the EPA per run and per pass, you stop that run that I, you know, the, the, the running game has been worse than the passing game in EPA, um, you know, expected uh, uh, analytics there. Uh, you know, I, I think you, you put them in a situation where they have to pass the ball. It's just as bad as, uh, as when they have to run probably do want to try to commit to stopping the run right there in the first quarter, especially if you jump up with a big lead. You look at the quarterback comparison in the lower left, Jacob. Jordan Love is now up to 78.5, right on par with his Philly or his grade from last year, which you guys know he pretty much just played in the Philly game. So that seems to be the baseline for Jordan Love right now, which is a really, really good start. And then DeVito, 57.7. I know everybody loves him for the Italian celebrating and all that good stuff, but not been a good quarterback. Uh, what sticks out to you there with the summer? Anything pop out to you, Jake? Yeah, I mean, yeah, DeVito, it, it is shocking because when you think about the Giants, you think, oh, Saquon Barkley, they're just a powerhouse running football team. But to see the stat that the Packers actually, I mean, that's, <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, as of late, I really enjoy how A.J. Dillon's been running. So when you looked at it, like in my head, I'm thinking, man, we really got to stop Saquon Barkley. But Basically, we got to stop Danny DeVito or whatever the heck his name is. Which, by the way, Danny DeVito might be one of the just that that what an odd little man. What a but anyways. Uh, <laughs> the passer rating when clean too, or the I'm sorry, the big time throw percentage kind of stood out to me a lot. I mean, I know DeVito, like I said, he's he's a funny Italian guy or whatever, but I it, I'm not afraid of them at all. I will say though, they have won the last three straight, haven't they? I mean, they're kind of figuring out a way to pull wins out of there, you know what. Um, no, that's that's our schedule. I, I don't know if they've won the last three straight. Um, I'm pretty sure the Giants have. Have they? I know they've won at least two. They may have uh they may have won three in a row. Um yeah Omer in the chat said the Giants have scored 17 plus points only twice all season. So this kind of plays into a a good chance for the Packers to improve that uh that scoring defense even more if they don't run into a trap game here too Jacob. I know that's been a big hot button topic here lately that it turned into, you know, 
We pointed out the scoring defense was solid all year long. The Barry haters immediately shifted to, we haven't played anybody. Talk to me after the Kansas City game. Now we're after the Kansas City game and everybody's going, yeah, but look at the yardage. <laughs> it's like they want that guy. Where do you stand on Joe Barry, by the way, Jacob? You know where I stand. Where are you at? I haven't tested uh, your pulse in a while when it comes to Joe Barry, man. Uh, Uh-oh, we got I, some I, hesitation in the voice here. No, it's just because, I mean, like, if you look at the numbers, I think that you can't argue that we he deserves to keep his job. I don't know if he will because public opinion is going to absolutely – go nuts if they don't get rid of him but i mean he's i mean ar- arguably isn't he a top 10 defense in certain aspects and it's it seems like they've been getting better and again he's doing this without quote on quote two star cornerbacks or at least our two star cornerbacks no safeties pretty banged up linebacker room on and off and then a you know a line that other than last i shouldn't say other than last week but definitely i would say the defensive line is underperforming i think in my opinion because Compared to what I thought it would be, I definitely think the cornerback in the secondary room is way overperforming what I thought they would do, especially when you got guys like Owens and, you know, first first year guys. But um, I think Joe Barry has been given a lump of dog doo doo and molded it into a pretty nice looking shiny statue. So you're going to catch some hate for that because let me tell you, buddy, all they want to point out is this is a defense that's littered with stars. And I'm sitting back going, why do the analytics not agree? Why does the tape not agree? Like, when you when you turn on the tape and you see the missed tackles, and you see the blown assignments, and then they, you know, they, they always point out, well, look at all the first-round picks. Like, how many of them are on the field? Yeah. Like, are you, you serious? Like, Jair isn't playing, right? I mean – Devondre Campbell's missed a ton of time. You know, he's kind of your 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 stud linebacker, right? The guy you, you threw the checkbook at as well. Um, Quay Walker's underperformed. Um, Rashawn Gary's a beast. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's an absolute stud. Kenny in the in the pass rush game, absolutely awesome. I just don't, you know, Savage, one of those first round picks they always mention. He hasn't played hardly all year. He's been one of the lowest graded safeties in the last two years, three years, really. So again, you show me a better candidate. I'm cool with moving on from Joe Barry. But I don't like the idea of picking some young, unproven, you know, future coordinator, installing a new defense, installing all the new terminology and taking a step back. I really don't like the idea of that. Carson in the chat says Giants have had three weeks straight without losing, but they had a bye week. Uh, so they've only won two in a row. Gotcha. So they've only won two in a row right now, which that's still, you know, they've, they've been uh, been pretty solid here lately. Um, they've uh, Dead Fish says the Giants have won four and lost eight. I think you usually win time of possession when you win the game and lose when you lose the game. Uh, odd stat to me here. Um, let's see what else we got. Omer in the chat says, nine takeaways in those past two wins uh, for the New York Giants, and DeVito took nine sacks, two in the wins. So Rashawn Gary and the boys should eat up front. Jacob, man, it should be uh, – they should get after him with that pass rush. Matter of fact, we got a quick video from Packers Daily I'm going to play that kind of keys in on the pass rush and then talks about – you know, kind of some of the playoff chatter that we've been hitting on. Let's uh, let's see what it, we got right here. What's been behind your defense's ability to pressure without having to send extra guys? Really good players. Fourth down, Detroit, and they're going for it once again. You got some really good D linemen, whether it's RG. Whether it's P. Again, they get him. It's Preston Smith. Kenny Clark, TJ, all those guys up front. Bad down. Down and 
right there is your dagger. Those guys playing off one another, being unselfish, that is a real value, I think, when you can rush four, uh, drop, you know, seven into coverage, and still get to the quarterback. Plenty of credit to go around for the Packers' success as of late, but let's tip our hat to the defense. During the winning streak, opposing QBs have been feeling the heat to the tune of 24 hits and four forced fumbles. Next up are the Giants, who've allowed a league-high 69 sacks. It's a wonderful opportunity, but we still got to earn the right to rush the passer. Stopping the run first, first and foremost, and then, you know, we, we can get a chance to rush the passer and, uh, you know, we'll get opportunities there. Getting back to 6-6 six and six has been fun, but the Packers know there's still work to be done, and it continues on Monday night. We know exactly what position we're in. Um, you know, every game is like a playoff game for us. We know that mentality, we got to win out. And this team doesn't need a reminder of that. Love bootlegs right, throws the end zone, touchdown! In terms of the things that you can control, the energy level, your effort, your attitude has been off the charts. And certainly when you're getting the results, that makes it more fun as well. But you're only as good as your last game. And we got a great challenge in front of us on Monday Night Football. Love it. Love to see it. Um, Man. They they should eat, Jacob. They should eat up front, man. There's no two ways about it. Um, Carly Ray in the chat says, since when do the Packers ever do anything due to public opinion slash pressure? They sure don't, Carly. Jacob, Goody is – you could tell Goody doesn't have a television on. You know what I mean, man? He is uh, – he could care less what anybody's opinion is. He's going to do what he thinks is best for the team. And and I think that is a good trade, a good quality for the uh, GM to have. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. It's – um it's like uh, Larry said, it's 69 sacks, but I just looked. In the last two games, they've given up 15. 15. They gave up nine to the commanders. Uh, somebody said in the chat, who was it? Omar. Of course it's Omar. He said, uh, homecoming for Rashawn, too. He's going to have six sacks. I mean, that would be it, – it literally is possible. I mean, they are garbage. They are a garbage, garbage team. So, yeah. let's do this. No doubt about it. Rashawn going to be out there like this. Stop playing with him. I mean, got to hit them with the stop playing with them. Uh, let's see. Nick in the chat says people want everything to be perfect, and it's not. And it, and if it's not, they start crying. Um, I think it's more about people. And I've said this. So I've said it way too many times on this pod. I need to stop saying it. But people get so dug in on their emotional opinions during the game that now they, they want to be proven right. So they refuse to acknowledge when things go good. It's okay to say, hey, man, I got it wrong. Right. Because we want the team to be good. That's why I tweeted out yesterday. I'm like, I'm I'm just amazed at how many people are rooting against this coaching staff just because they want to be proven right on their opinion. They were so stuck on. Um, I won't mention any names. And some of them are big, big podcasting names. And it's like, you know, don't you want the team to be good rather than you be right? I would much rather the team be great than me be correct in all of my stances. It just doesn't make sense, man. It's just such a weird way to fan. For sure. Um, Nick McSwain says, even a better candidate doesn't mean it's going to fix anything. And when you turn on the tape, that's what you see. You see missed tackles. You see blown coverages. To me, that suggests that's a player issue. Now, can the coaches coach them better? Probably, right? It seems like this coaching staff and, and the culture that Matt LaFleur creates is geared around putting all the emphasis on scheme and not so much on player development. That's not my words. That's Mike Wall's words, just from the outside looking in. That's what it seems like to him. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty valid comment. Derek K says, and who is contributing like a first-round pick? Thinking emoji. Um, you know, it, it, 
I think they all are at specific moments, but there's just no consistency. You know what I mean? Like Rashawn Gary. I was gonna say I'd argue Gary probably yeah. be the only one really yeah. performing that way. In the pass rush game, Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark's a beast in a pass rush. It's just you know the run fit game, uh, not so much. Uh, Romero in the chat says Packers defense has execution problems. Barry can only lay the blueprint. Players have to play. Absolutely, man. You can't you can't go out there and tackle for them. There's no doubt. Derek K says we should get at least ten total sacks. I'm calling it. You heard it here. I like it, man. I like the enthusiasm. See, it's okay for fans to do that. You just don't want Jair going in the locker room saying that stuff. You know what I'm saying? You gotta. You got to kind of curb that. Um, all right, let's see here. Next thing, Jacob, as we get ready to wrap up, we're at the 42 minute mark. When you got to hop off here, you just roll, man. Don't even yeah. say bye. Jump Another off. 10, 15 minutes. So. Cool. Good deal. Good deal. All right. So this was Michael Lombardi's picks. Okay. He does three picks every week. Lombardi doesn't gamble, but he's got his own scoring system that he uses to predict lines on games. Okay. And he's very, very, very successful with his picks. If you followed along, he hits – I would put his hit his hit rate up against just about anyone in the gambling community. So there you see the record on the season. Lombardi is 22-16 with one push, okay? So um, he said on Mad Dog Radio yesterday with the great Mad Dog Unleashed, we had our pick segment with Mad Dog having the tee box. Damn it. Uh, Russo picks uh, Miami minus 13, Denver plus 2.5, Bears plus 3.5. Lombardi's picks were Seattle plus 11, Bucks plus 1.5, and, and the Packers minus 6.5. So Lombardi feels really comfortable laying the 6.5 points, meaning they should beat the Giants by at least 7 points, according to Michael Lombardi. Okay, now typically you see with the record there, it's normal for him to hit 2 out of 3. Could we be the one that he misses? It's possible. When you look at the green line betting layout here, though, um, according to PFF, the market right now, like Lombardi said, is six and a half points. PFF actually has it at 5.7, so a little bit closer. Um, the cash, 58% of the cash is on Green Bay. 66% of the tickets are on Green Bay when it comes to that six and a half point spread. The money line of the market is the Packers are negative 308 as far as the uh, the favorite to win the game. PFF has them at minus 231, win probability 69.4%. Um, and the uh, the cash, 55% of the cash, the money line, just the Packers winning outright. 55% of the cash is on the Packers. 53% of the tickets are on the Packers. The over-under is set at 37. I think I might be hammering that over, Jacob. I don't know, bro. I, I know the, the Giants have been struggling, but they've got a, a booty cheeks defense too. So um, what do you think about those numbers? Anything stick out to you? Yeah, that over-under seems very – yeah, yeah. I, I... God, I'd say that now. Watch it'll be some crazy like defensive battle. Yeah, like eighteen to seven, right? <laughs> like I was nine to zero or something weird. Yeah. Um, I uh, man, I really do hate that. This this does feel like the old school trap game. You know what I mean? Like it, it's right. typical Packer trap game. It's a Monday night national televised game. A game where oh my God, the Packers have been being talked up, and the, and finally even guys like Colin Cowherd and stuff are starting to say, oh, what were we doing sleeping on Jordan Love? And now all of a sudden they're going to go in there and get beat by Danny DeVito. That would, it just feels like one of those games, but I would hope that we're not going to allow that to happen. And it will be a good test to kind of see like, all right, Matt LaFleur, if you are a great quarterback and if you have, I mean, this is, this is going to be a test because again, it's on the road. Packers aren't great at traveling. Packers have had a knack for not showing up to very big games and the primetime games. So this, this, this may be a bigger win 
in the totality of the season saving, the season revitalization, but also just like that, that next, like these, this young team, I know we went through so many different stages. We had the first opening victory. Then we kind of went into our slump phase and we went into our real bad phase. Well, people were talking about tanking. Then we went into the kind of the Phoenix rising from the ashes. And then it's like, wow, this team may have a chance. Then it's the, oh my God, they're good phase. And then it's lately we're in the, like the Jordan love is the replacement. He is the guy, everybody that was talking smack needs to sit down. He's a possible I mean, did you see some of the stats that I thought um, was floating around that the only other time, there was five other times that a Packers quarterback has gotten, if he hits five times in a season of, I believe it's three touchdowns, no interceptions, and a rating of over a certain percentage, there's only five other quarterbacks that had done it. And out of the four of the five, you know, it was Brett Favre for two, I think Rodgers for three, and two of the three seasons, or four, I think it was three of the five seasons, uh, it was two Rodgers MVP seasons and one Favre MVP season. So basically, Love is in very high, rare air at that moment. Um, yeah. I usually don't like those real specific stats, but, man, there's been so many this year, Jacob, that you can't turn away. you got to sit back and go, you know what? What's happening right now, especially over this last few-game stretch, something special is clicking. Um, either everything's going right for us right now and it's going to come back down to earth, or Jordan Love is the next great quarterback. And I'm not saying Hall of Famer. I said great. I didn't say elite, right? Um, he could be. You know, who knows? Well, but, I'd argue for sure that the last three games have been his his best of his career. And I would definitely argue that that was during our hardest point of our schedule this year. Probably the three hardest games that he's had to play as a professional back to back to back. And so, like you said, man, if he's if he is starting to ascend as our schedule is getting harder and now we're dipping back. I mean, let's look, we're going against the Giants, the Bucks and the Panthers. So if he goes against the Chargers, what do we have? Chargers, the Lions on Thanksgiving, and then the Chiefs to go from that stint of three games and how he's performing. Imagine if he stays on that level, and now we're going against the Bucks, the Giants, and who the heck else did I say? I mean, the Panthers. When so, you, I mean, I, bro, when, and when you hear Jordan Love talk in that Packers Daily video that we posted, you guys go show him some love, retweet that out. It's over on the Packers Twitter page. Uh, go give it a like on YouTube, all that good stuff. Jordan Love is like focused. Jordan Love isn't buying into the hype, right? And uh, I just love that, man. I love it. You can tell he's lockstep with LaFleur. That's what makes Jair's comments so contrast to kind of the the locker room vibe they're trying to create. There's no doubt about it. Um, let's go to the chat real quick. Then we got, we'll got we wrap up with just a couple more uh, hard hitters. Like I said, when you have to go, you just go, Jake. Peter in the chat said, do you all think Van Ness will get more and more playing time? Um, it depends on the health of the other edge rushers. Preston Smith's playing great right now, man. He's playing way better than Van Ness. Um, so you got to put that into perspective. Why not let Van Ness ease into it even more? Now, listen, I like what I've seen from Van Ness. You see the jersey right here. I'm a huge Lucas Van Ness fan. I love what he stands for. Um, I think he's he's all work, no BS, that type of guy. Um, he seems like he comes from a good family, all those things. Uh, I think he's one of those guys you're going to want, like an Aaron Campman type from back in the day, right? Uh, just somebody who's going to put their head down and work and defend their teammates and 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 do everything the right way. Um, but I don't. The the question is, will will Gary and Preston stay completely healthy? Right? They like to do a heavy rotation anyway. There was sometimes he was in the game there. I was like, dang, they got LV in here in a crucial spot. And on that first down inside the ten. He sacks Mahomes and absolutely beats his guy like a drum with that that punch, dip, and rip. And it's like, okay, maybe he is earning more playing time. But I, I think Preston is playing better than him right now. 
And like uh, like someone says right here, I think it was Derek Case said, yeah, Mike Wall calls him his defensive MVP of the pack. Um, absolutely it is. And when he put that tweet out, Derek, he said, who do, who do you – he said, there's one player that's playing just above everyone else right now. Who do you think it is? That was my comment. It was Preston Smith. Like, he's just played so schematically sound. Derek Case says, LVM with two or three. If LVM gets three sacks in this game, Jacob, I'm going to lose my mind, bro. You might see three more jerseys back here on the wall because um, that's just – Love that guy. I'd argue that, I mean, I might be crazy and misremembering, but I would maybe say that LVN is having a more productive, and I don't know what the if you want to say better, but I'd say more productive rookie season than Gary did, didn't he? I mean, as far as even just getting playing time, key moments, maybe having a little more responsibility, and like you said, they were working him into that rotation. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but it just to me it seems like they've used him more. I remember thinking like. Gary was a bust. He's a waste. We don't even use him. Right, I, think he never seen him. I remember in year two, I was like, oh, we don't ever see Gary. You know, I, I think time. you're, yeah, I think you're right. I think they have used LVM more than, more than Gary early. Yeah. yeah. I think so. I think that's, that's a very, very accurate. Cause you're right, man. Gary was just like, damn, is he ever going to get in the game? And I understand we have Preston and, and Zadarius, I got you, but um, yeah, this uh, this this feels a little bit different for sure. Um, let's do this. Let's talk tendencies real quick. It's gonna be hard for you to see. I'll read them off. Any questions you got, Jacob? I'll get real close here, like Papa Bailey, and get you get you the answer. I've got a big screen here because I'm getting old. Um, so let's talk about um, from a personnel standpoint on offense for the Giants, just real quick. They're in eleven personnel, three wide receiver sets, seventy one percent of the time. That's the eighth most in the league, probably because they're always losing. Uh, just being real, they're in 12 personnel 26% of the time, which is seventh highest in the league. And they're in 21 personnel 1% of the time, which is ranked 21st in the league. When you look at their EPA when they're in those personnel, which is basically the success rate, where do they rank across the league success-wise according to EPA? 11 personnel, they're ranked 30th. 12 personnel, they're ranked 28th. 21 personnel, which is only 1% of the time, they're ranked 22nd. So this is a booty cheeks offense. There's no two ways about it. When you look at their identity, what do they like to do? They're in shotgun 70% of the time. That's 17th most in the league. They're under center uh, 30% of the time, which is 16th most. And then when you look at their motion aspect, they only use motion 44% of the time. That's ranked 21st. And uh, no motion, obviously uh, 12th most in the league that they're just playing the drop back game. Gap run 11th most, so they're a gap run team primarily. They run uh, zone as well 64% of the time, which is 20, 22nd most. Uh, they go play action the 12th highest in the league. As far as drop back, they're 21st highest. Versus man coverage, they play, play man coverage the 12th most in the league and zone the 12th most in the league, okay, with how their schedule is laid out. Versus the blitz, 16th most. And then uh, under pressure, they've been under pressure 45% of the snaps. That is the most in the entire National Football Crazy. League. Um, that's just wild a short after, drop after the time they drop back they're under pressure that's crazy yeah and and with that being said they run short drop not most in the league they darn sure ain't going to try deep drop you know what i mean deep drop 14th uh 14 28th most so when you look at the epa and all that what i try to do with the epa on the far right is i go okay what are they good at where are they ranked really really low in the rankings which means high a positive aspect their highest guys is 25th and that's when they're under pressure so um, they're, I mean, they're at the bottom of the league in absolutely everything. Anything you want to hit on their offensive personnel wise or tenants or identity wise, Jacob? Right, that's just, I mean, it's bad, man. That, that is, really bad. Joe Barry isn't throwing, I mean, I, 
I, I do like our typical, I shouldn't say I like it, but I'm, I'm used to our bend, but don't break mentality and kind of playing a little, I don't want to say safe. And then we tighten up once we get around the, the red zone. I want Joe Barry blitz and corners. I want him sending linebackers. I want to do stunts. I want to freak this little DeVito out, man. I want to, I want Gary to get six X. I really, I think that's not unrealistic to think that. Yeah. They're bad. Yeah. They're so bad. Really bad. All right, let's go to the defense's defensive identity, all right? So on defense, they're in their base 34, 27% of the time. You guys know when it comes to base and nickel, dime, all that stuff, 99% of the time the offense is dictating what defense they're in. They're just going to match personnel. When we come out in 12, they're going to go base. When we come out in 11, they're going to go nickel. When we come out in a four wide receiver set or it's a third and long situation, they'll go dime plus, right, dime, dollar, quarter, whatever. Um, so they're in base – uh, 27% of the time, that's 10th highest in the league. Probably means that teams are beating them the majority of the time and just running the ball, right, controlling the clock. Uh, nickel, 67% of the time, that's 17th highest in the league. Uh, dime, they're 6% of the time, at, and that's ranked 18th in the league. Uh, they, as far as playing a gap run, they face gap run teams, 15th highest in the league. Zone run, 18th highest. You see there's a good balance across the league. Teams run both gap and zone. I think every single team in the league does now. It used to be an oddity, but now it's not. What they do on defense the majority of the time, their defensive identity, right, is uh, is basically they play man coverage 37% of the time. That's third highest in the league. When they're in zone, it's only 40, uh, 43%, um, and that's dead last in the league. So they are a man cover team, right? There's no two ways about it. And when they're in man their EPA is 16th, so they're kind of middle of the pack playing man. Now, as far as their pass rush, they bring three rushers 7% of the time. That's eighth highest. Four rushers 50% of the time. That's 31st in the league. Five rushers 32% of the time. That's first in the league. So they actually bring five rushers more than anyone else. What does that mean from the Packers' standpoint? It's real simple. Five rushers means solo blocks unless you keep a chip in, right, meaning a tight end or a running back to chip. So you're going to see a lot of one-on-one matchups. If Dexter Lawrence doesn't play in this game, I really, really, really love the Packers' chances of, of jumping out to an early lead. If he does play in this game, you're going to see him singled up on the likes of either Josh Myers, John Runyon, or Elton Jenkins. I think they'll probably bend towards putting him over uh, closer to that four-I spot over the right guard and try to take advantage of that weak spot in our offensive line, whether it's John Runyon or or Sean Ryan or whoever. Well, they bring six-plus rushers 10% of the time. That's second most in the league. So what you should take away there is they're, blitz, they're bringing five rushers, the most of any defense in the entire National Football League. They're bringing six-plus rushers, second most of anybody in the league. And, and it might have been the Chiefs that were first. And we've seen Jordan Love handles pressure. Really, really well. Now, how often do they hit home with pressure? This is what's sad, Jacob. You're blitzing those guys, five and six rushers, right? They hit home with pressure only 32% of the time. That's 27th in the league. That is horrible. Now, middle field open, right? Middle of the field close, I'm sorry. 53% of the time they're playing middle field close, which means single high safety post-snap, okay? It doesn't necessarily mean that's pre-snap. That's post-snap, end result. What was the play called? They run single high safety 
fifth most in the league, middle field open. They run it 31st most in the league. Now, when you look at the EPA rankings, when they are in middle field open, which they do very, very seldom at 30%, they get the third highest EPA. That's probably when they're in their dime look on third and long situations, to be honest with you. Man coverage, their EPA is seventh, so they play man coverage pretty darn well, to be honest with you. Um, and uh, I'm sorry, that's zone. They play zone pretty darn well. The problem is they run it 32nd most in the league, dead last. Um, EPA for man is 16. And the other thing that sticks out to me is their EPA when they're in dime plus is 11th, but their nickel is 25th. This screams 11 personnel, three wide receiver sets. They're going middle field closed the majority of the time, right, which means you should be able to attack the boundaries. I'm just telling you right now, look for those play-action shot plays, Jacob. It's coming this uh, this Monday night, this might be a big game for Jordan Love if they let him wing it around the yard, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna mention that. Um, that to me, this, and then I gotta I gotta run, but um, yeah, I see them rushing five or six way too often, getting stuck in man coverage, and then our wide receivers. You know, I wish we had Watson; that'd be nice to beat a lot of that man stuff. But Jaden Reed being shifty, Dobbs making moves. I want to see. I betcha. Don Tavian Wicks, I can see him having a couple really big yards. And I uh, I think that Aaron Jones coming out of the backfield, try manning him up with linebackers, whoever else, I don't think that's going to be a great idea. Um, I think that, like you said, Jordan's going to be really kind of – I don't want to say he's baiting him into to trying to pressure him, but like, yeah, I think the dude's becoming very confident and comfortable. And he's – I think the best thing is watching him – He's not freaking out. He realizes the pressure. He understands the pressure. He's learning how to stay in the pocket, step up, take another split second to finish to see, is my read coming open? Is that the best way to throw the ball? He's really taking advantage of what the defense is is doing and giving him. And I think that they're going to be making a lot of mistakes. Looking at these numbers, I really, really, it is a trap game, but I don't think it's one of those trap games where if, if we do fall on our face, it's going to be a major Major blunder from us. I think that we lose this game, that Giants don't win this game, if that makes sense. Yeah. And like Doug points out here in the chat, uh, how big is the Giants buy as a factor? It's a huge factor, man. Um, that bye week, get those guys rest, get them healed up a bit, and that's extra time for the coaching staff to look at the tape. There's no doubt. Go ahead and jump off, Jacob. We appreciate you, buddy. Run. I'll wrap this thing right. up, man. Have a good okay. day, man. Don't worry. You are. I'll be here tomorrow. I'll see you all. Right. See you, Bob. Um, so yeah, so when it comes to, uh, you know, how big is the Giants buy as a factor? I think any team is a huge factor, Doug. I think that's a great observation too. I had overlooked that. So just another example of the chat carrying this, uh, this joke of a program. I appreciate you bringing that up, man. I'm assuming that's what you're referring to. Uh, Matthew Perez in the chat said a blowout would feel amazing after all these close games all year. Wouldn't it be nice just to kick back for a game, Matthew, and just go, all right, this one feels, yeah, we can enjoy this one. Especially if, uh, if you're laying the points or, or, or even, you know, getting a little more aggressive in and taking the money line uh, for sure. Uh, let's see here. We got Margin Cron in the chat says his prediction is 23-17. I'm assuming he's picking the pack. Um, Omer just says yes. I don't know why I marked that one, but thanks for saying yes, Omer. That's probably the one I was trying to hit. Omer says, I think Goot's plan is to give LVM Preston's job next season. It's definitely possible, but, you know, with the amount of money that's tied up in Preston, I think they're probably going to want to keep him around, you know. Uh, there's been times that I've thought about, wonder what Preston would do playing defensive end in our 34 base because he sets the edge so well. He kind of handles that run blocking aspect pretty well. Um, obviously, they disagree or they would have done it sooner. Um, but, yeah, I, I personally think um, – yeah, I could see what you're saying. Maybe LVN takes the majority of the reps next year and Preston Smith kind of takes the backup role. 
um, because of the heavy rotation of you got it 65% um, that typically our pass rush has uh, this year. It's been, it's been higher at times. It's been lower at times, but typically they average somewhere around that. But uh, yeah, that may be the case there on Doug says, do we get an injury update today uh, for Monday night's game? You should get, let's see, we had, we had Thursday, we had Friday, we had Saturday. The final injury report should be today, if I remember correctly. Today's Saturday. No, it'll be tomorrow, won't it? I'm trying to remember. Correct me in the chat, guys. But uh, we should get the final injury report soon. I've got the most recent one, if that's what you're asking for. Um, we can hit on it just real quick. The only thing that really changed, Elton Jenkins uh, was limited on Thursday. He did not participate uh, on Friday. And then uh, Darnell Savage did not participate with the chest injury on Thursday. He was limited on Friday. And it looks like, yes, Saturday will be the final uh, the final injury status from practice, if you will. And uh, then we should get the game status. Sometimes when you get the Monday night games like this, the majority of the game status is actually hit a little bit earlier. That's at least what I've noticed in the past. Uh, don't hold me to that, though. So uh, hopefully that makes sense. And then Nick McSwain in the chat said, Barkley isn't good uh, this year, though, referring to someone else's or responding to someone else's chat. Yeah, Barkley has definitely had a down year. But, man, when everything else around you is bad, you know, it's just one of those things. It's weird. If going into the season, you'd say Giants versus Packers, you'd say heavy dose of Aaron Jones, heavy dose of Barkley, right? And both of those running backs, even when they've been healthy this year, have underperformed. As you guys know, we pointed out the PFF grades with Aaron Jones has definitely been down this year uh, at a 59.4 currently how it sits. And when you look at the PFF grade for Barkley, it's 68.4. So he's definitely outperforming Aaron Jones this year. We know Jones, he's been, uh, been hindered with the hammy earlier and then you got the knee now with the MCL sprain. I don't even know if he'll play. I hope he does, but at the same time, like we said all year long, man, A.J. Dillon's playing great. Um, whether you got Patrick Taylor back there or you do put Kenyon Drake on the on the active roster, um, this might be one of those games if you jump out to an early lead. If Aaron Jones is healthy, don't use him that much, right? Use him in those crucial situations and let him rest up, let him get healthy for, you know, in case we do actually go on a playoff run. You know, that would be obviously most important in my opinion. So, um, all right, let's just make sure I'm not missing anything else here real quick in the chat. Um, yeah, I completely agree. Doug, Doug says would be nice to see 33 back though. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Omer says Barkley is about 78 yards a game, which is, uh, as I said, about 160 yards versus our run D that could be it. That could be it for sure. Um, and then let's see, this will be the last one. Peter says, last question, do we trade David Bakhtiari in the offseason to free up cap space to get another great left tackle? That's definitely a possibility. Um, Dave has been pretty open and honest on Twitter that his plan is to play with the Packers next year. Um, I think one of two things are going to happen. Either he's going to restructure his deal and take a little bit of a pay cut but still be one of the highest paid left tackles in the game, or Goody's going to say, you know what, I'm done with this. They cut him out right or trade him and try to free up roughly $20 million in cap space. So that's uh, kind of the differential between uh, dead cap and and what the cap hit will be, which is like over $40 million. The one thing I feel really, really, really confident saying is there's no way David Bakhtiari is going to be on the roster at $40 million in cap hit next year. It's just not going to happen. Um, I want to give you that exact number here, and then we'll sign off for the day. So that exact number next year in 2024, according to Spotrack, is 40.4 million. His dead cap is 19 million. So you can see you're going to free up a little over 20 million dollars if he's not on the roster, and it might even be a little bit more if a trade happens. There's some finagling that can take place behind the scenes. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like a cap guru and understand all the intricate details, 
But that's kind of a good global look, a, a broad perspective of what box uh, cap hit looks like. If you're asking me, what do I want? Um, I'm going to be real. I would love for them to go to Bach and say, hey, man, why don't we why don't we trim this down? You take a pay cut. You finish your career here in Green Bay and have the cap hit settle in somewhere around 30 million. You free up roughly 10 million in cap space. If Bach is healthy, you get. Uh, one last run, he gets a chance to run for a ring if this team continues to build success like they are this year. Um, if they continue on a high or finish on a, on a high note and, and carry that over to next year, that could be the selling point. Bach, hey, man, let's let's make it one more run back. If he says, no, I'm entitled to every penny I get, all right, man, we got to cut you loose. And what he'll do is he'll obviously take – you know, that that 19 million in dead cap will hit us, right? We'll we'll have to eat that, but we'll free up roughly 20 million, like 20.4 million. And then he'll probably go play play with uh, Aaron Rodgers in New York. Let's be honest, right? I'm cool with either scenario. I don't kind of get personal when it comes to players and money and contract. That's probably why some of you guys are going, man, he doesn't really have a strong opinion on the Jair Alexander thing. I really don't. I think he's a great player. My main opinion is I, I just feel like corner isn't as important when you're running a Fangio-style defense. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, it's why you see, heard so many fans go, why don't they have him traveling with the number one receiver? Guys, this isn't a man-heavy coverage. It's quarters coverage with a lot of spinner and zone match principles. You can't have a corner traveling all over the place and making everybody change their zone match scheme just so that corner can – just for them to do a yo-yo motion and throw everything into, uh, into turmoil pre-snap so hopefully that makes sense all right guys we're gonna get out of here um uh let's see dead fish look at this one last one can bach come off ir this year it's a great question dead fish i'm not sure if i think there's two different types of ir i think he's done for the year i'm almost positive he can't play this year like uh yeah i feel really comfortable saying there's no chance of that because they had to do another surgery and all that stuff so yeah all right, guys, with that being said, we're going to get out of here. Really appreciate y'all hanging out with us. You guys are awesome. Um, I'm going to take tonight off, if that's okay with you guys. Can I have the night off, please? I'm begging you. Um, I know we've been doing two a day, and I love doing it. It's it's going to suck missing it tonight, but we're going to go to a Christmas parade tonight. Uh, they got some Clydesdales in town, so I got to go see the big beasts, and uh, we'll probably go grab a daddy soda, a little English pub here in, in Jonesboro, and uh, and just hang out and uh, have dinner and that type of stuff. So um, please forgive me in advance, but we'll be back tomorrow morning for Good Morning Lambo. Appreciate every, everybody hanging out with us in here in the chat. You guys are awesome. Great questions, great comments. Um, appreciate you bringing up the Jair thing because it gives us an opportunity to talk about something otherwise I wouldn't do. I want to give a special thanks to Relax for the super chat. You are the man, buddy. We really appreciate you supporting the stream. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go back up. Go.